What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Really, really busy show today. Probably the most, I think the most notes we've ever had. we got almost almost two full pages here. Normally, we can keep it to one. Uh, I have two and then a spreadsheet, which you don't see because it's some things I'm going to I'm gonna quiz you on later oh boy. for a certain topic. Uh, you're not aware of this. I'm making you aware of this now as we go uh, to record the show. Awesome. So uh, today we have a lot of football news. We will review the uh, the weekend's conference championship games uh, and other news and notes from around the league. Uh, Going to get into baseball first, however. Uh, a bit of unfortunate news this past weekend. Uh, uh, the 22nd, I believe it was. Was it Saturday? I think so. Uh, Hank Aaron, one of the greatest baseball players to ever step onto the diamond, uh, passed away at the age of 86. Um, I mean, could possibly argue one of the five greatest of all time. Uh, I, I don't really know when you get into that kind of rarefied air how you place people above others, but you can kind of group them together as, you know, the great ones. I'm going to run down some stats of Hammer and Hank because people know 755. Right. People have strong opinions whether he still is the home run king or not. We're not here to debate that. Um, I'm going to go, for the sake of this argument, the numbers are the numbers. Uh, Whether you feel Bonds got it or didn't, that's a whole different story. But there was so much more to Hank Aaron, obviously off the field, but on the field too. Things people just didn't know because 755, the home run record for so long, was such a big and iconic number in sports. There is a lot more to Hank Aaron than that, but you know I'll turn it over to you first. Uh, I mean, before we get into the numbers, kind of add a human side to it. What, what were you thinking when you saw Hank Aaron passed? So I, I, I think... I recognize what Hank Aaron did. Yeah. And one of the greatest players in baseball. I think I'd have a little more attachment to him if I say I was 10, 15 years older. I think the time period kind of doesn't allow me for that connection. Sure. I I was thinking about this a few days ago. I think the connection I would have to somewhere like Ken Griffey Jr., that would impact me at a greater level. Right. But when I think Hank Aaron, I think that same clip I always see him rounding the bases when he hit that hit the, hit the home run, hit yeah. the home run. That fan coming on the field shaking his hand, and, and and it's just it's just that's every time I think of Hank Aaron, that's what I think of because that's the lasting image I have of him. And I, I wish I wish I could have saw him play, but I think his impact in the game. Um, is represented just by I think he has the it's not the MVP, um, the best hitter. I believe the Hank Aaron Award is for the best hitter. I believe. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah a, a, an award named after him, and and if you have an award named after you, that that just tells you what you mean to the game, and well, I, I mean, I, and I I need to see him pass away yeah it's very sad and I'm, I'm somebody who i've stated this before my my love for baseball growing up uh who did a, a lot of research and and just whether it was for projects in school or just for fun 
on baseball. I think I read every baseball uh, book, whether it be fiction or fact and history, in the school library two or three times over uh, to the point where the librarian would just tell me to bring it back when I was ready. Don't worry about the due date because no one else was reading it, and I would just sit there and read it cover to cover over and over again. Uh, When I was 16, my parents took me to Cooperstown, New York for my birthday to go uh, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And they had Hank Aaron's locker, uh, like his locker set up from when he hit 755. And you could actually go and sit in it. And uh, I got to actually go and like sit there and to like to know you were sitting on the same area or we, we were around the same area. I don't know if it was the same bench. I don't know all that. There could have been elements that were fabricated afterwards to match. Maybe not everything was authentic, but there were still things that were there from when he hit that home run. And for me, being a baseball fan uh, and just being around that stuff, knowing the history, it was it was overwhelming as a fan and as somebody who knows so many legends of the game that have been for, largely forgotten because the baseball does not do a great job anymore since, I say, the turn of the century of recognizing the great players in the past. They just don't. Players do. Fans do. Yeah. But the game itself largely doesn't. And that's that's true of current players and born players. Yeah. They just don't do a good job. And not to get off on a tangent off of Hank Aaron, but that just speaks to a larger uh, issue with baseball. It's just they're – they think, oh, we're baseball. It's America's pastime. We just – we just are. And that's – a little bit of an elitism that they aren't grasping yet. And like we talked about last week, maybe someone like Theo Epstein can kind of say, hey, guys, we're not checking all the boxes anymore. We're pulling for you, Theo. Come on, man. Turn it around. Let's not forget. I, I know uh, Hank Aaron wasn't Jackie Robinson. He wasn't the first uh, black man to play uh, baseball in major leagues because uh, actually the first one wasn't Jackie Robinson either. That was uh, Moses Fleetwood Walker. Um, not, not taking nothing away from Jackie Robinson. No, no, no. Nothing away from what he went through. I, mean, I don't mean that's not, that's not a dig on Jackie Robinson by any means. But uh, let's give Mr. Walker his, his just due as well. Um, Hank Aaron faced, especially around the time of breaking the record, immense racism and just real real discrimination and in the face of all of that just carried himself with class and dignity that's what i think of when i think of hank aaron class dignity and consistency yeah and that is hank aaron all the way Uh, i'm going to read off a few uh, a few of his career numbers that give you a a better feel of hank aaron he was not just a home run hitter Although he does have 755 career home runs, second behind Barry Bonds. However you feel about that, it's not the debate, but that those are the numbers on the baseball records. 3,771 hits. Third behind only Pete Rose and Ty Cobb. And that, those aren't, by the way, those are not moving. No. Those, those, those aren't going anywhere. No, the way baseball is, not a chance. Uh, hey, fun fact, if you removed every home run... That Hank Aaron ever hit, he's still a member of the 3,000 hit club. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, 
Uh, he is first all-time in RBIs with 2,297. 6,856 all-time bases. First, if that's not a surprise to that number. Uh, and this was a big deal before analytics. Yeah, it was. This was something that Hank Aaron took an immense amount of pride in. Obviously, I didn't know the man, but all reports and things of that nature. He was extraordinarily proud of that because that meant he got on base. That meant he helped his team. And this was bigger than he has a win above replacement of 15 when the wind chill is negative 3, blowing four miles out to the west on a, a, you know, a, a Sunday that's 16 weeks before the solstice. You know, I mean, some of these analytics they come out with, like, this was it. Like, how many times you get on base? Oh, a lot? Hey, you're pretty good. And Hank Aaron was pretty good. Uh, first and extra base hits, no surprise. Second and at-bats, which, you know, it's longevity. Yeah. Uh, third in games played. Seventh all-time in times on base. He won the MVP in 1957, his only win of the award, but he did finish in the top 10 13 times. So think of how great Mike Trout's been. He's only a fraction of the way. I mean, he has won multiples, but as far as finishing in the top, he would still have a way to go before he could be put in Hank Aaron's league. He is, he is far, far away, but he is climbing. I'd say if anybody playing today has a real shot at reaching those numbers, it's definitely Mike Trout. But even as great as he is, it's he's still going to have to maintain this for quite a few more years to even be on the same field with Hank Aaron. I, I just the sheer volume of home runs. I I just don't see Trout climbing that ladder. But you know, hits I I see as a possibility. All bases, maybe. But as we've talked about the way analytics is going, that's not going to be much there. At bats is possibility, games played is possible, times on base is possible. I mean, he's got what? What does he have? Two MVPs already? Trout, two or three? Yeah, but he's he's like on board with you know with what Hank Aaron did. He's finishing top. Well, him him is top like three. He's like finishing top three almost every year. So, I, I definitely think if there's someone possible, it's. It's Mike Trout. After that, I mean, some of the kids we think of are might be a little too young to foreshadow right now. Yeah, well. Tatis has already taken a hit on his uh, games played, so. But I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm um, hoping for a little bit of a change and, and, and get back to – I know we talk about moving the game forward and – and progressing it and trying to get the game played faster. But think back in this age, you didn't talk about that because games were what, two hours? Yeah, two, two and a half times. If it was three hours, it was long. Right. And he played in that, and he put up these numbers in that time. It's not, not unreasonable to think that some things we can go back to and some things we can move forward on. Right, right. Let's move forward to our next baseball topic, mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame. And you want to hear the 2021 MLB Hall of Fame class? Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. And that has been the 2021 MLB Hall of Fame class, as voted by your favorite brand, the Baseball Writers Association of America. But you didn't. A group of baseball journalists 
who yeah. hold themselves in very high regard, who get to decide who's in the Hall of Fame. You didn't say any names. No, because for the second time since 2013, they have decided that nobody, nobody is a Hall of Famer, uh, leaving, holding the moral high grounds over such people as Kurt Schilling, who was pissed. Schilling told him that next year is his last year of eligibility under the Baseball Writers Association before he goes to the Veterans Committee. He told him to take him off. Doesn't want to be on a ballot. He says, I don't I don't want you to vote for me. I'll wait until people who know what they're doing and are qualified to make that judgment can vote me in. I have no problem with that. I mean, I understand. This, this is where I stand on this. And if there's a BBWA writer that, that listens to this, take it to heart. I understand what he says in tweets and... and you know, he made that comment about journalists and it wasn't great and he deleted it and he semi-apologized for it. But whether it was out of context or not, I don't know. He shouldn't have said it. it, it How many playoff games did he lose when he did that? Uh, zero. He was out of the game. Right. Okay. So and that's, that's not what they're voting. They're not voting on his political opinion. They're not voting on anything like that. And that's my point. Right. It's like your, your job as a, a Hall of Fame voter is to vote on the credentials of a person's career. And unfortunately, they have this stupid little clause. It's called the character clause. And they can invoke it to think, oh, well, he doesn't have great character, so we don't have to vote him in. Okay, explain this to me. Why is Ty Cobb in the hall? I was just going to mention Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb, who is a known racist, and I get times are different, but... But they still voted him in. Here's the thing. They can't be different when it fits your narrative, and that doesn't matter when it doesn't fit your narrative. Consistency. Consistency. We say that. That is the favorite word of the show. That is the thing we always try to be. If you're going to vote in Ty Cobb and say, well, it's just his, you know, just at times, then you got to vote in Schilling and ignore that stuff too. Schilling, let me read out some of these numbers, right? Go ahead. Go ahead. Kurt Schilling, uh, 71.1%. So with all of his accomplishments, uh, people think because Kurt Schilling gave some reporters an attitude and hurt their feelings, only 71.1% of that brotherhood, uh, that, that group of you know clickbait fanboys, and I realize I am doing a podcast, yeah. my own, so that's fine. But I'm trying to give you my honest opinion, not just what's going to pop up on Google when, when you want to type in some negativity on somebody to try to get clicks and likes. Uh, Barry Bonds, who had a Hall of Fame career before there was any speculation. Correct. Under 62%. Under 62% of this supposed gatekeepers in the Baseball Writers Association of America. And and this is a guy who hasn't done anything after his yeah. career. like. I mean, not it's actually mellowed out, quite honestly. And he he's been a coach, a hitting coach. Um, he's tried to be a part of the game, and yet they still are blocking him out because I I think it's two reasons: suspicion of of PEDs, and also he was an a hole to most writers when he was either in Pittsburgh or in, in San Francisco, and again. It shouldn't matter if the person's an a-hole or not. Like, they really need to take that character clause and get it out. It's the numbers and the performance 
your you want to talk about peaks fine talk about peaks if a player didn't have a long enough peak of dominance that i respect that as a deciding factor for voting for someone right but, you, oh, but, but speaking of that by the way roger clemens yeah 0.2 percent less than barry bonds the six-time Cy Young winner? A dominant pitcher. Arguably the best pitcher of his generation. A dominant pitcher with the Red Sox. And then he had a career yeah. away from the away Red Away from them that was also Hall of Fame worthy. But because he wasn't nice to them. Okay, so guys like Scott Rowland and Billy Wagner and Omar Vizquel, no disrespect. Very, very good players. But, but are, can are, I tell are you this? five to six points below right. that trio? Yeah. Especially, look, even if you want to say, because I, I wasn't on the Schilling Hall of Fame boat for a long time. I got on that after seeing his postseason numbers compared to other people in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get into that with a certain quarterback later on about, I may just switch my opinion on whether they belong in the Hall of Fame or not. We'll get to that. But Clemens and Bonds are Hall of Famers all day. I understand the character clause coming into play if there's a legit legal issue such as assault or homicide something of that nature that can actually it's actually tangible not just oh this person did something i don't like one time we're all big boys and girls and i'm not going to vote them in because i think they did a thing i don't like grow up get off your high horse you're gonna tell me anybody out there that you could do something, whether it be HGH, or we're not talking about the 80s where you're sticking needles in your ass. We're, we're talking about your pills and doctors and things prescribed to you. I am not encouraging anybody to abuse any steroid or or, or a performance-enhancing drug of any, any sort. I am not condoning that in the least. I'm not suggesting that in the least. I'm saying if somebody says to you, you're in your game. You're doing your thing. This thing right here, they really can't prove you're doing. It's going to help you make feel better. A lot of people out there are going to say they wouldn't do it. But guess what? When you're performing and then big old checks keep rolling in, that's going to change your mind. Especially when you're not hurting anybody else. And I'll tell you what. If I were to take whatever Barry Bonds may may have been allegedly taking, for all those years, mm-hmm. if I took it, I still can't hit a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Mm-hmm. Hell, I can't hit a 70-mile-an-hour fastball. I may be able to hit a 55-mile-an-hour fastball. That's about it. That's probably a foul tip. It does not give you the skill. Right. It helps your body heal. Call it what you want to, but let's be adults about this. And, and He's and, a Hall of Famer. And, and if we look at this, that time frame we're talking about, these these moral gatekeepers... Um, they were in the clubhouses, right? The, yeah. the, the writers? Some of them. Um, you, you saw stuff. We know you saw stuff. Okay? And, and, and for whatever you think of Jose Canseco, he apparently said a lot of stuff in his books. I, I just have no belief in the BBWAA as a correct group of people that can decide who goes in the Hall of Fame. Why is it that in the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL, you don't have this kind of controversy? No. It's only baseball. 
again, I'm, 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 I'm sorry I'm crapping on baseball again, but it's another sticking point with me about how baseball is stuck in this elitist mentality that they think everything is great in their game and they'll tweak it here and there. And this, and the biggest atrocity they had going on until Mariano Rivera was they wouldn't vote someone a hundred percent unanimous because Barry, uh, um, um, Babe Ruth. Thank you. Didn't get voted in a hundred percent. Yeah. That is the most dumbest thing I've ever heard is because one person a long time ago didn't get voted a hundred percent. So nobody else. Ken Griffey Jr., who I will stake as one of the greatest baseball players I ever saw watch. Didn't get 100%. I'm out. I'm out. Derek Jeter, who I loathed as a Red Sox fan. As a Red Sox fan, but as a baseball fan. Right. I mean, dude, the first Yankee to ever hit 3,000 hits, the only, I believe, how crazy is that? And he didn't get 100%. Look, look Look at all the Hall of Famers and legends that have been in that franchise. And I say this as a Red Sox fan. And Derek Jeter wasn't 100%? Are you kidding me? No, I, I gave him credit for Mo. I absolutely did. Well, that, but, that was about as big of a layup as you possibly could right. have had. But, I mean, it's just like, so is Jeter. But then so they, is Griffey. Right. So are all these guys. A couple years later, they screwed it up. It, it's it's remarkable how much they screw this up. And, and we have, you know, we'll have talk about the NFL because it's coming up, um, what, next month, I think, their Hall of Fame. They have, a, they have a pretty good process. We disagree with it sometimes, but they have a process, right. and it involves... And they have people who actually know the game. Right. It involves coaches. It involves ex-players. Um, think of the Heisman, Chris. You know who votes for the Heisman? Past winners. Past winners and um, select groups of individual writers, coaches. But it's not just like one, one group of people. It's collectively groups of people that... So, an opinion of a person or a school or some cannot be formed and, and bring down the voting. It, it makes it so it's somewhat balanced. And I just think in the BBWA, it just, whatever, whatever the group swings, well, well, the, the whole group is going to swing that way. And it's kind of sad. Well, dissenting opinions aren't allowed anymore, so... They need to get – that's the first thing they need to do is they need to actually form a Hall of Fame committee in baseball. Theo, get on that because, look, I even wrote here – I think I wrote it here. If not, I wrote it in the show rundown uh, for when we post it later. Yeah. But it's – I have nothing against not having a Hall of Fame class. If you look at it and say, hey, look, we don't feel any of those guys yeah. are, are Hall of Famers. Well, if you're not adding new people to the association, you can just drop some of them guys off. Because, look, if Scott Rowland, after being on the list a few years, isn't a Hall of Famer now, how's he going to be a Hall of Famer in five years? You're going to put him on there because it's a slow year? Well, then he was a Hall of Famer back then, too, then. And it's all about campaigning, too. Well, right, but, I mean, look, you already had your career. Yeah. Campaign all you want. You had your career already. None of that should make a difference. That's what I'm saying. None of that should make a difference. Well, Larry Walker got on his last year. Like, the reason football players... You know, some guys are first ballot, some guys aren't. It's because they have a limit. Right. So you could say this year we've read down the, the list of finalists 
or, or the, the the official list they're going to choose from for yeah. finalists. And we're like, wow, that that's it's tough to pick five out of there. Yeah. There's going to be really talented players who have to wait till next year because they're not leaving most of those guys off the list. That's understandable. They can vote in as many as they want. Some years they vote in one. Some years they vote in five. That's why they expanded the the ballot. They expanded the ballot specifically so they could vote in more people. And yet, nobody's going in. Again, all I'm trying to get to is I I have no problem with him saying, I don't feel these guys are Hall of Famers. You don't have to vote someone in just to vote someone in because then it dilutes the actual value of it. But just to stand on a soapbox, moral high ground, to hold it against somebody who said some mean things to you a couple times, then you're not doing your job. You're not. Revoke your own right to vote and let somebody else who can do it with a little bit of dignity do it. But they won't. Because, no, I know. They won't. Because that's, that's their only influence and power is... is oh, that's a shame. Sad. All right, moving on. Uh, NFL news. I had the first one here. It's not really a topic. It's just kind of an observation. Yeah. It's very weird to me how much announcers... Uh, care about how much fun Aaron Rodgers is having while playing the it game. That's a- it's, 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 nothing, it's nothing Aaron Rodgers is doing, by the way. I've had plenty of criticism on Aaron Rodgers. That's nothing against him. He's just out there playing. But it's almost like all these Mon- like the Monday Night Football team or the Sunday Night Football team, he's out there, he's smiling, laughing at a good time. Like, oh, isn't he just so great to watch when he's having fun? It's just kind of weird. I don't know. Anybody else notice that? Am I the only one? Like, Collinsworth is damn near inconsolable when Aaron Rodgers is having fun. He's like he's almost jumping out there in the field to give him a hug. Like you know, when they're when they're playing a team that has like you know two wins and well, the Packers are up by forty. Oh, it's just great. He's having a good time. Oh my god, it's like yeah, he's a grown man playing a child's game, making forty million dollars a year. I'd be pretty damn psyched too. Especially if they're you know they're winning. <laughs> yeah, like if you're winning, you know, thirteen games a year. Yeah, I, I believe I I I saw Cam Newton a lot this year. You know, smiling and laughing when they were winning. Yeah, and the the announcers would. Do similar, but yet um, when they were losing, there wasn't a whole lot of smiling. Well, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers does have a habit of throwing everyone under the bus. Oh, yes. So when he's finally happy because he has, you know, people in there who let him run the show, it's smiley Aaron Rodgers. And that's apparently people are super psyched about that. But has the worm turned there? We'll see. We'll find out. Uh, It went from he's the MVP to... Oh, it's even going to be a Packer next year pretty quick, but that'll be something for the offseason. All right, next up, uh, Bruce Arians. Um, look, I want to start this off by beforehand. I'll let you speak. Uh, I got a lot to say on this, and we're already running a bit long for what we have to do on the show, so I'm going to try to keep it condensed. Sure. Um, Bruce Arians is apparently giving Bill Belichick coaching advice. I didn't know that. Congratulations. And I'm going to say this. I said this last episode as far as Tom Brady goes. I got my bitterness out of the system. I can watch a Bucks game now. I watched the NFC Championship game, and I wasn't secretly hoping he lost. I was only hoping they lost because I predicted the Packers to win. Right. But there's nothing against him. Uh, so it's nothing to do with that. Um, as much as I love Tom Brady, and I love them on the Patriots, uh, there is no way with their Patriots cap situation, I wanted them to pay the price to keep a 43-year-old quarterback who has diminishing skills. He's been great on the Bucks. 
But a lot of it is the team around him. Oh, yeah. No, you can't say that. You just said. Now the media loves him. He's a darling now. When he was in New England, he was the devil, but now he's a darling. Okay, so here's the thing. You have Mike Evans, yep. Chris Godwin. Yep. Uh, as of, I think, what was it week seven or eight, they brought Antonio Brown in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scotty Miller, who's looked really good. Three. Three. Only two because O.J. Howard got hurt early on. But you still got Cameron Brayton, Rob Gronkowski, who Rob Gronkowski had a resurgence down there. It's funny, all of a sudden he wasn't too hurt to play once he was in a Bucks uniform, but he was too beat up when he was still on the Pats. I'll leave that alone. Semantics. Uh, but you have all that. You have several first-round drafted offensive linemen, including one this past offseason, this past draft. Yep. Uh, and it seemed every star player who got released from a team wanted to go to Tampa on a short-term deal to try to put together their super all-Madden team to win to win a big one. And it may pay off. It very well might. We'll get to that next episode. We're not going to do a Super Bowl breakdown this show. But Tampa Bay could very well walk away with a Lombardi trophy. That's possible. Does it make you Bill Belichick, Bruce? I'm sorry to tell you this. Your coaching style sucks. You're like the cool uncle who lets you eat candy for dinner when you go over his house. Yeah, it's awesome. You let him do whatever you want till you wake up sick the next morning. Uncle Bruce let me have nine Twinkies for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Bet you can't look at a Twinkie for about two months after that, right? You're I'm trying to keep a straight face because Ben's, Ben's like... terrible. Ben's like... Who's terrible? Both of you. Why? You and Bruce. Why am I terrible? Because I called him on his BS? No, Look, he's, I he's, like Bruce Arians. I do. I don't dislike him. I think it's very weird how he wears his monitors. But it's a different story. That's nothing personal. That's just an observation. Okay. This guy comes out and says, Tom Brady is feeling at home in Tampa. Because he lets Tom Brady coach. Bill Belichick never let Tom Brady coach. Mind you, this is on top of the media, who... Take your shots now, boys. Oh, yeah. Take Get them while now. we're down. Take them now. Get them while we're down. We got the 15th overall pick. Yep. A lot of returning stars who aren't opting out for COVID next year. And 60-plus million dollars in cap space. Get your shots in now. Because Champ's going to get up and start swinging. So, have fun. Especially if they make a, a couple moves that we might discuss here and yeah. in future episodes. So that's just that. I'm not saying we're going to all of a sudden get Patrick Mahomes to turn into the Chiefs. But this whole 7-9 and nine season, that's not going to be the norm. Enjoy it now. Plus, I'd I, I like to, to add a little. There is There are times where Bill Belichick does, when he has an axe to grind, he will grind that axe. I, I give you an example of uh, the year after Deflate Gate, where he just Tom Brady was suspended the first four years. He just went on to a Super Bowl run. So, if if you're gonna sit there and throw your shots at, at Bill Belichick, yeah, take him now, now. Take him now, because guy, he he is for for the comments we made about maybe Josh should um, McDaniel should move on, and this player should move on, and that player should move on. He has McDaniel's back. He has an offense, gets a suitable quarterback, puts some pieces together. Like you said, he's got a lot of cap space, and there are a lot of teams that are in in trouble and are going to need to cut players. And maybe 
we go in some pillow contracts to get through this year, next year, and then the cap starts going up because uh, customers are back uh, in the stadiums. All I'm saying is you might want to watch out. Yeah, well, I'll just say this. And, and look, the team was not great this year. No. Like I said, I am glad, as much as I would have liked to have seen Tom Brady be a career Patriot, I am glad we did not risk what we could build this offseason just to keep him happy. He didn't want to work with our young receivers. He didn't want to change anything about the way he played. And he insisted on doing things that, from what we're hearing now, didn't work that apparently Bruce Arians lets him do. I'm sorry. If you're throwing a ball deep to, uh, I don't know, who's the kid we had we got from uh, the Colts? Um, he went to Seattle. Seattle. Can't remember his name. Well, we'll, just, we'll use Chris Hogan. Throwing a ball deep to Chris Hogan is a little bit different than throwing a ball deep to Mike Evans. Like, Tom Brady went to a star-studded and he studded team. And he has every right to. He was a free agent. Can we stop acting like the fact he walked away from a New England team that had to do a rebuild? He took the easy way out and went to a team that's at their apex. That's what he did. He did what LeBron did back when he left Cleveland the first time. He went down to Miami. He went to go join an all-star team and win a championship. And again, that's fine. He was a free agent. That's his right. Didn't do anything wrong. But let's stop acting like the Patriots were, uh, you know, were left in an awesome spot and just couldn't pull through. This team was bad. We were duct taping receiver together every game. Cam Newton has no arm left to save his life. Whatever he had, he left up in Seattle when he had a 300-plus yard passing game because after that he was just couldn't throw. Good on the ground. We needed a quarterback, not another running back. And it, 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 they still won seven games and had the ball in their hands with a chance to win five more. Okay, the record's not great. The team didn't play great. And it was not the same Patriots team of the past two decades. So let's stop acting like Tom Brady was the only reason this team was ever successful. He was a huge part. And there were absolutely games, and I would argue seasons, that were on him in a, in a good way. Yeah. That he was just motivated and he got the job done and he had the receivers he wanted and him and Belichick didn't have that jaded relationship yet and everything was just clicking on all cylinders and Belichick could put it on cruise control and Brady could guide the way. But it wasn't working anymore. And it wasn't working because you need immense, immense talent for that to work. Letting your letting your quarterback coach is I can't believe Bruce Arians was dumb enough to say that. Letting them have a, a, a hand in how the offense is created, letting them call the play, I'm all for that. We criticized Sean McVay for not doing that with Jared Goff, right? So I'm not going to criticize Bruce Arians for having faith in the greatest quarterback of all time to do that. Not at all. That would be inconsistent. My argument is you can't say he's a coach. No, he's not. He's a player. Because everyone in that team looks up to him like a big brother. Which is fine. Till it's not. That's fine until you need discipline. 
which Bruce Arians is not known for being able to do. Not in the public eye, at least. So I'm really beating around a bush here. You know, long, you know, short story long. It's fine. And all well and, it's all well and good when it works. But we see when it stops working. Tom Brady looked great the first quarter and a half the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had three touchdowns, 300-plus yards. Looked awesome. What happened after they went through that playbook once? Three interceptions. Was missing open guys. All of a sudden thought every play was going to be 40 yards down the sideline to Mike Evans or Johnson or any of the, the slew of other talented receivers they have. And he was getting picked off. He was missing plays. He was getting guys hit. Guys were getting frustrated. Tom wanted to call that play. He's the coach. I was joking around earlier in the offseason. Yeah. And I said, Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator, Tom Brady. That wasn't a joke. Apparently it wasn't a joke. Confirmed by head coach Bruce Arians. I think there's two things I'd like to just touch on before we uh, move on. Yeah. Your point about him calling the plays, he did that in New England. They would hand him two plays. And depending on the coverage he would see is which one he would go with. And he had the right to call audibles as well Correct. if he saw something. So let's let's Bruce, let's not let's not paint his time in New England as such so terrible. He did win Super Bowl, six Super Bowls. Um No, it was may, awful. He was a prisoner the entire time. Understand. This his statement about uh, Brady's influence in the offense, uh, does that diminish Byron Leftwich's candidacy down the, in the future for a head coaching position? Because I, I personally, if I'm Byron Leftwich, I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stand on my own own feet. I'm trying to progress my career. You know, my playing career wasn't great it was okay it wasn't great so my second career as a he- possible head coach at some point I'd like to try to get there and making those comments and because we saw what he did with with uh Jameis Winston last year I mean he threw 30 picks but he had a 5,000 yards 5,000 yards a lot of touchdowns too yeah so like you you give credit to Bruce Arians you give credit to Byron Leftwich to coach him up but are you are you hamstringing Byron Leftwich and his future by making statements like that? Probably. And I understand GMs are. Does, sm- doesn't matter though. As long as Bruce Arians looks cool, he's happy. Yeah, but that doesn't help Leftwich. And who is there a uh, DC? Um, I don't know. I I'm, I, I want to say it was an ex um, head coach a couple years ago, but someone say- who deserves a lot of credit because they kept the Packers at bay the other day. Right. And he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of uh, first-round talent on that defense, and he's got a lot of veteran players. He's he's managed to lasso Ndamukongsu late in his career. Uh, JPP actually having some some life. But if I'm Byron Leftwich, I'm concerned about if this is going to hamstring me for the next two three years, and am I going to have to prove myself one or two years after Tom Brady's gone by what I can do with an offense? Or is it going to be a la Josh McDaniels to Denver where it'll propel me into that, but it's going to be a failure because 
I've hooked my wagon so much to Tom Brady that I'm not going to be able to succeed. Here's the thing. The Bucks actually, for all the people they've signed, are not in a bad cap situation going into next season. Right. They're a pretty good cap spot. They do have some players who need to resign. Shaquille Barrett needs to be resigned, uh, or he's going to be a free agent, I should say. Whatever they do with that, you know, I don't know. Um, Chris Godwin is going to be a free agent. Antonio Brown says he wants to play for the Bucks, and the Bucks want him to play for them. So we'll see if that spells Chris Godwin going somewhere else. Can't get come cheap. Uh, no, he's not, and he deservedly so because the guy's a hell of a player. Oh, I meant I meant AP. Oh no, he won't. They won't get him for a discount rate. He'll 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 get his big contract and turn right back into Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just gonna you know, Bruce Arians. Uh, is gonna do the same thing he did with the Cardinals in Arizona. The minute the cap situation gets to the point where they're screwed, yeah, he's gonna retire again exactly what he did with a very good Cardinals team that made the playoffs, had a dominant defense, had Carson Palmer and David Johnson, and looked really, really good. Looked like they could have been a championship caliber team for a few years. The minute that cap situation caught up with him, all of a sudden, fun Uncle Bruce is, oof, man, I think I'm going to retire now. And then two years later, joins the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, what's his choice? That's his call. That's his contract. No big deal. Just run this down. Before before Bruce Arians, before you go telling Bill Belichick how he should coach and criticizing him for not letting his players tell him what's going to happen, Bill Belichick has been coaching since most Hall of Fame guys now started their careers. Bill Belichick has 280 regular season wins. He was already a Hall of Fame coach, Bruce Arians, when you got your first head coaching gig. And hey, hats off for that. You did a good job. You took a really, really bad Colts team the year before. And in, in, in the wake of Chuck Pagano being out for cancer treatment, you were interim head coach, and you got 12 wins. And actually the only person, the only interim coach to ever win coach of the year. So hats off on that. And that got you a job with the Arizona Cardinals the following year. And like I said, the minute that got tough, you bailed. Now, the Bucks aren't in bad cap spot now. But it's going to be a fine line to walk it to see, okay, we have to maintain some of these people. We have to let some of them walk. That's going to be the difference between having a good team to pass on to the next head coach when Arians leaves or mishandling it, having Arians go, oh, not fun anymore, I'm leaving. And then you're the same place you've been with Jameis Winston and the quarterbacks before that. So how the GM of the Bucks handles this cap room in the next couple off seasons is going to go a long way. Because, guys, Brady has a year or two left maybe, and Arians probably is not going to stick around to rebuild another rookie quarterback. Look what he did in Arizona. They drafted Matt Leinert. And who did he go? To, who did he pivot to? Carson Carson Palmer. They had a trade, and give up first round picks. I believe so. To to then Los Los Angeles or Oakland? I don't know. The Raiders to get Carson Palmer because yeah, it was the Raiders. Yeah, because he couldn't. He can't. It seems like he can't win without a veteran quarterback. Is what it seems like. And they saw the writing on the wall of, of Carson Palmer. And like you said, 
the cap situation, he bails. And he'll do the same thing in in Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Because if he was so invested in Jameis Winston, he would have. they would have resigned him, they would have continued to develop him, and they would have longevity with Jameis Winston because he's still a young guy. Would they be in this position? Probably not. The minute all this fun stops with Brady and Antonio Brown and all That's this, fun. Arians is gone. Yeah. And I'll say this much. Last, last year we were talking about Andy Reid, who is a way more decorated coach than Bruce Arians. And again, I like Bruce Arians. I just think you need to watch your tone when you're talking about someone who is far superior than you. I'll say this much. Ask Doug Peterson what being a fun coach gets you. Okay. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, we covered him last episode. We did. Uh, now, it appears, according to, I don't know if this is actually what Deshaun Watson said, as far as him being traded from the Texans. Right. His, uh, he doesn't apparently care who's hired as the coach. He wants out regardless. Doesn't matter. He just wants away from the organization. That's the ownership issue, man. That's, that's yeah. all it is. Um, well, it's I mean, it's broken trust, too, if the yeah. ownership promised him certain things and then backed out the first chance they could. I can't yeah. blame him. Uh, his apparent top two choices are Jets and Dolphins. Dolphins, I understand. Jets, I don't. The only thing I could say with the Jets is he knows that they could they have a decent offensive line. That kid they picked up, Mackay Beckton, I've said it before, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a monster. A, he is, he's, he's pretty much two guys on the line. Yeah. Uh, and they can, if they don't, if they trade for him, and being Watson, they have a good line already. Um, I firmly believe they signed Aaron Jones from the Packers. They're one of the few teams that would that has the cap space that would really benefit and needs that number one. Patriots don't have anybody of Aaron Jones caliber, but they have several running backs who fit into their game plan. Yeah. It just wouldn't make sense to sign him. Uh, other teams, the Bengals have decent cap space. They have Joe Mixon uh, and Giovanni Bernard, I believe, still. Yeah. They, they're not going to get him. I think the Jets are going to end up landing Aaron Jones. They land Aaron Jones, good offensive line, some talent at receiver. They can go out and get somebody, they'll, too. They'll sign Fuller, too, if they get. Uh, yep, they'll, they'll, they'll go for him. They'll, they'll try for somebody else. They'll try for Kenny Galladay. They'll yeah. try for uh, uh, Chris. Um, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. And if you get all those guys and Deshaun Watson behind Robert Sala as head coach, who we know can keep that defense where it needs to be. you got to be looking at all that as Deshaun Watson going, whew, that is a chance to be behind a resurgence of an organization and essentially have a Hall of Fame career just with that team. Yeah. The only thing I'd say, that's a lot of ifs. It is a, a lot. A lot of ifs. And, a lot of things have to come together. And it, here's here's what I'd say to Deshaun. If you have an issue with the ownership of the Texans, do you not think you're going to have an yeah. issue with the Jets, Jets ownership? Jets ownership, I don't know either, man. That's, have you seen what they've done? Too. They're not that great. They're very inconsistent. So... If I were him, I'd lean more towards the Dolphins. Now, would the Dolphins do it? Personally, if I'm the Dolphins, 
it's hard to look at this deal and say no. If you're, I mean, you can't fall in love with players. And as much as Bruce they, Arians does, I understand that. And Bruce is a, uh, a special person, and he can do that all he wants. Um, with all but, the Super Bowl rings. But with Tua, you can be in love with him. You can love what he, he brings to the table. But you look at Deshaun Watson and you say, okay, well, that's essentially Tua, but seasoned and ready to win. I, I, I make the deal if I'm the Dolphins. You don't need much. You do you need another receiver? Absolutely. But again, you can go get William Fuller if you feel like you need to sign him. You can try to get uh Kenny Galladay if you feel it. And the Dolphins are on the right track too. The turnaround I know they didn't have a great end of the year, but the turnaround they had from from, from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty was incredible. So they got the kids Williams, they have Devontae Parker, so they really don't need receivers. But they can go get somebody. They don't. They probably do need a running back, but they have some viable options, some young talent. They can draft somebody if they feel in the top in the top of the second round if they feel necessary. It it makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins to pull this trigger because it would shoot them to the top of the division, fighting with the Bills. Let's assume the price tag. Okay. For Deshaun Watson. And the only two teams we've heard of are the Jets and Dolphins. He said those are his top two destinations. Let's assume the price tag is what is supposedly rumored that negotiations start at three first round picks. Mm-hmm. And probably a player. It would if you're the Jets or Dolphins, it would cost you three first round picks and Sam Darnold or Tua. After seeing what good Tua could do to start the season, if you're the Miami Dolphins, are you really willing to, when you're rebuilding your team with such success, to send three first-round picks? I know it's Deshaun Watson. I know. But to just say, Tua, Tua's not the guy after a sample size. Yeah. Tua's not the guy. Here's him and three first-round picks. So now instead of being able to take those picks and rebuild and fill in, you know, over the course and rebuild the right way over the course of a few years. Well, they have two first round picks this year. I get that, but still, that could do them a lot of good this year. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it if I were them. I think it's a much, I think it'd be much better for the Jets to do it than the Dolphins. Because the Jets, if they don't do this, they're nothing. They're going to have another year of rebuilding. Yeah. Another year of frustration. If you bring in. You know, Robert Sala, I have a lot of confidence in him as a coach. He's not going to turn it around year one into a playoff team. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get the same kind of caliber free agents you would if you have Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Right. It's just not going to happen. Not saying they won't get anybody because they got Capram. But here's like, if you take, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was texting him uh, during uh, the championship conference championship games, and. uh I'd, I'd say his name, but I don't know if he wants me to, so I'll just I'll just say a, a friend and mm-hmm. listener. Um, we were talking about Stafford, who we'll get to in a minute, and Watson, and I said, yeah, I think it's going to take three first-round picks, and he said, you think that's worth it? And I said, well, 
considering a lot of times the Jets either just trade their first-round picks or they don't pan out, and you have five or four, excuse me, in the next three, uh, next two years, and then who knows but I'll pass that. Obviously, you have one the following, you know, 30 years as well, but you have the two from the Jamal Adams trade. Take three of those and Sam Darnold and flip them for a franchise quarterback in his prime. Yeah. And I'm not sure how the contract's structured, but I think the guaranteed money would still be on the Texans to pay. So the Jets are going to get him, you know, sans the guaranteed money and just his, unless there was something agreed upon in the trade, it's a different story. But I think they would get him for just what his base is, plus incentives. Yeah. If you're the Jets, and it's Sam Darnold in three firsts, when you have the money to not only pay for Watson, but then you have to go to go get Aaron Jones in free agency as well, and a receiver, and you already had a decent line, and you have other picks you can use to kind of bolster some spots, you could literally turn your franchise around, the fortune of your franchise around, with one move. If you're the Jets, you have to do it. If you're the Dolphins, I think you weigh your options a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Because, see, the difference, you put it perfectly, the difference between the Jets and the Dolphins is the Jets will thrust themselves into the conversation with this move. Dolphins are already in the conversation. Right. This pushes the Dolphins to the top of the class with Casey and the Bills. Like, it literally, because... This is no knock on Lamar Jackson, but they need to fix some things in Baltimore. So right now, the class is the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. This move by for the Dolphins would put them right up there. I understand it's three first-round picks, and just like the Jets, uh, the Dolphins have some extra first-round picks, and they can they can make that move. It all depends on... Where they're at with who's going to be available at those picks, do they want Devontae Smith from Alabama? Do they want Jamar Chase from LSU? Because if they they do, if they want to go keep going young on offense, that's what they do. They go get one of those young wide receivers. And then later in the, in the draft, they possibly get the best available offensive lineman. Or they get the offensive lineman with the first pick, and then they go uh, skill position with the second first-round pick. It all depends on what they want to do and what direction. This Deshaun Watson move needs would need to be paired with a William Fuller, a Kenny Galladay, a Aaron Jones, a, a subsequent um, free agent pickup to reinforce – their move to the top of the AFC. I, I yeah, and this this is one of the few moves you see a few of these every couple of one one or two every couple of years. This is the kind of move that for both organizations, the Texans and whoever they trade to, has the capability to completely restructure everything we know about their franchise. Everything, the Jets can completely change everything with this move. But we'll see. It'd be and it'd be real interesting for me if the Texans make this move and they don't want to include Tua. Because then they want to make their own moves at quarterback. Because if you make this move with Tua, you're 
paired with Tua for at least a year or two. And are you that dead? I, I don't know if they've done the work on Miami's done the work on Tua. They've seen they've done all the work, the medicals. Did Houston do the work? Because they've had the Sean. So that'll be <clears throat> an interesting tell to see where they're going to go with these picks if they don't pick up Tua or they trade him right away. Yeah, it'll it'll as uh, as Deshaun turns, we'll see we'll see what happens. We'll is that a new soap opera? It is now apparently. I mean, we'll see what happens. It'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, it's hard it's hard to imagine he returns to Houston after all this kind of vile has been thrown around, but we'll see. Uh, somebody who won't be returning anywhere, Greg Olson. Seahawks tight end, former uh, Panther and Bear tight end as well. I forgot he was drafted by Chicago. Uh, has announced after 14 seasons he is retiring. Uh, he is fifth all-time in receptions and receiving yards at the tight end position. Uh, and eighth in touchdowns and sixth in games played. Uh, there's a few years there where he was absolutely one of the best tight ends in the game. Uh, injuries kind of slowed him down, unfortunately. But uh, he... Uh, I think he's gonna be. Uh, I think he's joining. Is it CBS? Maybe CBS. He already has. He already has a gig lined up. Not just like Breeze. He already yeah, has he already has something lined up. So, and I've heard him talk before. I think he'll, he'll be pretty good at it. So, um, yeah. So there's that. And there's Philip Rivers. Chargers great. Colts mediocre. Yep. Philip Rivers. I put one question down here. Yep. What is it? Is he a Hall of Famer? I've said no for a long time. I said he'll get in. I don't think he is. I don't think a lot of players who are in should be in. Right. It's turned into. Um, it's which is exact. While I think the NFL has a much better system than baseball, as we talked about. Yeah. I also think they vote in a lot of players who are media darlings, yeah. or who have big contracts with with networks that the league, uh, the the league shows the games on, and they get in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I look at Kurt Warner, and I just... Uh, I know the championship. I know the MVP award. Yep. The numbers besides that are just not enough to hold the kind of weight to say, okay, he's a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning? For all the mediocrity you can say about Eli Manning, he has two Super Bowl rings. And In those two games, he performed at a very high level. And longevity. And longevity. Um, so I'm going to read out some numbers here. True. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to read you a player. Oh, this is the spreadsheet? This is the spreadsheet that I talked about earlier, the infamous spreadsheet. Okay. Because I have – I'm not going to read them all because <clears throat> it would just be crazy. But yeah. okay. So We have 32,000-plus passing yards, 208 touchdowns, 126 interceptions, 67 career wins, 12 seasons, and a 65.5 completion percentage with a Super Bowl win. Who is that? With a Super Bowl win. In the 80s? Nope, recent. Recent. This is not making for a good show, so I'm going to tell you. That's the aforementioned Kurt Warner. Oh, wow. 32,000. Yeah, thirty-two thousand. Wow. No, not 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 nothing by any means. No, 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 no. Just does that one Super Bowl hold the weight 
of the extra. It holds weight. It doesn't hold thirty. You know, fifteen to twenty to thirty thousand <laughs> passing yards that these other guys have for Hall of Fame. Okay, so here's another one. Yep. Twenty-seven thousand, almost twenty-eight thousand passing yards. 212 career touchdowns, 210 career interceptions, 107 career wins. 107 wins. Is that Eli? 14 seasons, a completion percentage of just under 52% with four Super Bowl championships. With four Super Bowl championships. Four Super Bowl championships? Is that Terry Bradshaw? That's Terry Bradshaw. Good job. That's Terry Bradshaw. I know it's a different era. You said four, so... That way, yeah, I kind of give it away, but either way, still nice. Uh, we didn't go over this beforehand, so yeah. okay. So that's that's an era where you're kind of transitioning from way, yeah. way, way heavy run to more pass. So the, I, I get it. In the four Super Bowls, he belongs. Okay, Eli, we mentioned earlier. Yeah, 57,000 uh, pa- uh, passing yards, mm-hmm. three hundred and sixty-six touchdowns, two hundred and forty-four interceptions, hundred and seventeen wins, sixteen seasons. Completion percentage just above 60. Uh, he's always compared to Rivers because, obviously, that will happen on draft day between the two of them. Yeah. But you're saying, you're saying to yourself, Chris, Chris, or self, self, these are guys who won Super Bowls. Right. Phillip Rivers did not win a Super Bowl. That is true. So the weight of whatever he may have statistically over them is not canceled out by that Super Bowl trophy. He also doesn't okay. have MVP either. So I'm going to read you some guys who didn't win Super Bowls who okay. are in the Hall of Fame. Okay. 49,000 career passing yards, 291 career touchdowns, 233 interceptions, 102 wins, 17 seasons, a completion percentage uh, just above 58, and no rings. And no rings. I'll read you off another one while you think of that. 35,000 career passing yards. 237 touchdowns, 175 interceptions, 101 wins, 11 seasons, a completion percentage of 60.1 with no rings. Any clues yet? Um, is one of them Warren Moon? The first one is Warren Moon. Okay. The second one is the Super Bowl impotent Jim Kelly. Ooh. Okay. Next one. It's like I got one of them, right? This is Dan Marino. This is Dan Marino, arguably. You're not going to let me guess because the numbers. The are numbers right. are going to show. You'll, yeah. you'll, there's no numbers. I didn't add Brett Favre, by the way, because he has numbers far above Rivers and he has rings. So that didn't. Yeah. Or at least a ring. A ring. Okay. Dan Marino, 61,000 plus career passing yards, 420 yeah, touchdowns, 220 interceptions, 147 wins, 17 seasons, a completion percentage just under 60. Phillip Rivers has more passing yards, more passing touchdowns, 11 fewer interceptions. He has 13 fewer wins. And a completion percentage career of five points higher than Dan Marino. I know these guys won playoff games. And Phillip Rivers was not known for that. I think he went 6-5 and five in the playoffs in his career. Um... And Kelly and Marino at least won the Super Bowls. I don't think Warren Moon did. I'm not sure. No. But. I don't think he did either. I don't know. All, all this I'm trying to prove with this is 
I had said no for a long time. Yeah. Almost doesn't count. Jim Kelly almost got four rings. He didn't get any. He didn't get credit for almost doing it. More than Rivers would get for not getting there. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. So if we're going to put Jim Kelly with almost half as many passing yards, half as many touchdowns, and only 25 fewer interceptions, for a guy, Philip Rivers, who is known for turning the ball over for some reason, although these numbers don't support that, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Oh, he is. I just don't think he is, but he is. I, based on what the criteria we've set here, he is. There's obviously some players. Like I said, Kurt Warner's numbers outside from that ring are not Hall of Fame numbers. Oh, it's it's the Terrell Davis effect. Right. It's a little different with running back, shorter career span. But, right, but even but, but for him specifically, yeah, no, he I has get it. such a short yeah. shelf life. And I understand the two Super Bowl rings, and I understand he was impactful. And that is a tremendous peak. But he has nothing else around it. And I know Kurt Warner took two teams to the Super Bowl, went to the Super Bowl three times. Three times? Yeah. Yeah, three times. Won one. He just He's a quarterback. He didn't have the longevity. 12 years, but he was a backup several of those years. Oh, yeah. I, he was a backup to Eli and for quite a few years. There were some injuries, like... I mean, look, I'm not trying to convince I'm, – I'm just trying to present the case. Yeah. Like, under – I don't think a lot of those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think it's great to win rings. It's a nice prize in and of itself. I think you have to take into consideration how you played in those games. Uh, so, I mean, like, Eli put up really good numbers, and Eli won two rings. Specifically because of two very, very key drives at the end of both of those games. Right. And as Patriots fans, we are well aware of those games. Both David Tyree and Mario Manningham will be forever etched in our minds. Um, but, I mean, some of these guys, like if Kurt Warner doesn't win that ring, there's no way he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, the other hand, you just look at what, what Dan Marino has over him statistically and you say, is that one win in a game where you were on a team with so much talent worth almost doubling my stats to get you in the Hall of Fame. doesn't make any – I don't know. To me, he's a Hall of Famer based on the criteria, the modern criteria. Yeah. But based on – I've said I've said many times, I think he's the least least clutch good quarterback ever. Yeah. Okay. Anytime this guy had the ball of the game on the line, he folded. I mean, not literally every time. I mean, Tom Brady is great, but he didn't come back every time either. So nothing's universal. Sometimes great players struggle. Sometimes good players do great. Nick Foles out Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Yeah. If you'd have told me that before the game started, I'd have asked you what you were on and where could I get some. But let's move on. Sure. Uh, that's just a little, little food for thought. I thought it'd be fun to run down some numbers. I like doing that kind of stuff. So, Oh, and also, I uh, all the information, the stats I used, I got off uh, Pro Football Reference. Good site. Um, Good site. Awesome site. If you're looking for numbers or stats on just about anything related to uh, football or baseball, uh, I'd, I'd use them. Actually, any sport, uh, really. Not, not a sponsor, but I, I did look at their site for this, and I want to give them credit. So. Does mean they can't be a sponsor? Uh, yeah, we're more than open to it. Hit us up on one of our social media sites we've told you about, and we'll, we'll talk. Uh, we've got two more topics here. I think... 
you know, the AFC and NFC Championship game, we don't got to really get into too deep. Uh, those are those were the games. I mean, we're you know, it is what it is. Uh, we all saw what happened. Um, we'll go deeper into it next episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll the, yeah, the... we'll. We haven't decided if we might do another special uh, Super Bowl preview show where we kind of review both of these games and yeah, and then preview the Super Bowl or uh, if we're going to just add it into the next episode. We'll see how we have as far as news goes. This is a pretty full episode, so we're about 100, 110. <laughs> I can't tell the time. About an hour and 10 minutes into this one so far, and we still got two topics to discuss. So, uh, Matthew Stafford. And the Detroit Lions, longtime Detroit Lion Matthew Stafford, former first overall pick, and I believe it was 2009. That sounds about right. Uh, he has discussed it with the team, and he's asked for a fresh start. He let to be traded. The team has agreed, and they said they're going to start shopping him and try to find a new home for him. Uh, he's 32, and he had some injuries the past couple of years, but he remained pretty healthy last year. Uh, and if he has a good offensive line, he could still have a – Several really good years in front of him. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has 45,000 career passing yards already. Um, and he still could potentially have five, six years to add on to that. And this is this is putting up good numbers on arguably, not arguably for me, but for you, arguably the worst run organization in all of professional sports, the Detroit Lions. I they mean, are I pitiful. Up there, but... they are pit- well, no, no, I chose them as the worst. Yeah. That's why I said arguably. You had somebody else. Um, they, they they won't cut him. I I don't think because the dead cap would be a lot. It would be fourteen million in twenty twenty one and twenty million in twenty twenty two. Plus they have plenty of suitors. They have plenty of suitors. Uh, they, I don't think they get a first round pick for him. I know that sounds crazy. Um, did did you hear what David Carr had to say? Well, David Carr, um has some interesting takes on a lot of things. David Carr also didn't think Tom Brady was all that good before he left New England. Correct. So um, we'll ask Browns fans what David Carr's opinion really means. <laughs> is that the Browns? No. Was David Carr on the Browns? No, that was a different team. Who was he on? Texans. Texans, that's who it was. I'm thinking of Tim Couch. Never mind. I don't think Browns fans liked him either, but I think Texans fans probably liked him a lot less. Um. Yeah, I mean he's he's a very good quarterback. I had said earlier in the off season, uh, we discussed Matt Ryan, not off season. It'd be in the postseason yeah. when it was first starting off, and they were talking about new uh, quarterbacks finding new homes next year. Uh, realistically, the Patriots don't have. They have the cap space. They don't have the draft capital to get Deshaun Watson, so that's not happening. No. Um. And he's already said he wants to go to the division rival. So that's not – they don't have nearly the draft table the Jets have, so that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, but I, we were kind of debating Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford. And I believe you said Stafford. Yeah. I said Ryan until I looked at Matthew Stafford's numbers on a far, far inferior team to what Matt Ryan was working with. And then I very, very quickly got on the uh, Matthew Stafford train. Um, I have always thought he was a good quarterback, but I didn't realize how good, really, to see him on a bad team. Um, this guy's been a hell of a quarterback. 
and just about the worst situation you can be in. And he's only 32. I think Matt Ryan's 37 or 38. So he's quite a bit older. Um, but he's only 32. And, you know, he has already signed. He's not he's not looking to get released to get a new contract. I think he has three years left on his current deal. So this is a guy that can come into a team. And if it's a team that already has a good, solid base, can really make a difference. So I got to ask you. I know as Patriots fans, we're both hoping that Bill Belichick pulls the trigger and gets him gets him in New England. Um, but where do you think his most likely destination is? Stafford. Yeah, Stafford. Welcome to the program. <clears throat> no, I was looking up uh, um, Ryan's age. He's a year younger than um, me, so he's thirty-five. Oh, okay. I look at it, and there's a, there's a couple teams that I'm I'm looking at because I pulled up the uh, list of the uh, teams in the NFL. I, I think because we haven't got an announcement on Drew Brees, taking money out of the out of the equation, I think the Saints would be a great pick for us uh, spot for him because of the talent. With Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, offensive line's not too bad, but needs some work. But then you had the money issue. I was going to say there's it. no way. They don't have the finances. Then they have no, there's, there's no possible way. They need to cut, 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 and it wouldn't be worth it. Washington seems like a nice fit for him. Nice pieces, good young talent. Wouldn't need to – Aside of what David Carr says, you shouldn't have to give up too much for Matthew Stafford. I think it's a good spot, landing spot for him. Yeah, David Carr says two first-round picks. That's not happening. And and he quote, "I'm crazy enough to give up three first rounds for him." Like, okay, then you stay. You stay a studio album. Yeah, and no. leave the GMing to GMs. Especially if people know he wants to be traded. That just brought down right. what they're going to get for him. I'm trying to keep my bias out of it. I think the two best locations are Washington and New England. Two best locations. Young talent, good offensive line, good, strong coaching staff. The head of the coaching staff is is the forerunner of the organization. Bill Belichick, Ron Rivera. I think, and they can... they. They can build a decent defense to complement what Stafford can do. Stafford does have, can get a little gunslingy, just a little bit. I think those are the two best locations. And both teams have not high first-round picks that would cost them a lot. Obviously, Washington uh, has one that's lower in the draft because uh, they went to the playoffs. I think they're 20s, I want to say. But I think it'll take a second-round pick. That's what I think. Or maybe a play or two. But I think I, th- I like New England, but that's my bias. But if I said two teams, it's Washington and New England. If New England's all in on getting him, they're going to send that 15th pick over to him. Yeah. They'll, they'll just say, we're not, we're not, we don't want to mess around. We don't want to take a chance that him ended up somewhere else. He's 32. We know we can get five, six good years out of him. Here's the 15th overall pick, maybe a conditional pick later in the draft, a fifth or sixth rounder. 
and the Lions will probably toss in a fourth rounder or something. Right. And Stafford. Um, I would have to say, I think based on cap room and playing in kind of a similar environment, the Indianapolis Colts seem like a great destination for Matthew Stafford. They have a great offensive line. They have a stud running back, a real good backup running back, too. Naheem Hines is no joke. Right. Uh, to very talented receivers and a defense that I think is only really starting to show what they can do, as well as a coach that really has a grasp on that team. You throw Stafford in there, man, that is that is a team that is going to do some damage. Uh I as well would love to be a homer and say New England. I do think New England's a possibility. Yeah. I really do. Deshaun Watson, no chance in New England. No. Matthew Stafford, there's a chance. If it gets later in the offseason and teams aren't making moves on some of these guys, you could definitely see the Patriots get them for a second and some conditional picks. I don't think that'll be the case. People know how good Stafford is. Uh, my only fear is the Texans trade Deshaun Watson to the Texans. <laughs> they trade Watson to the Texans. They trade Deshaun Watson to the Dolphins. Yeah. And that's a Bill O'Brien trade. We're going to trade him to ourselves. The Dolphins, which causes the Jets to go out and take all that draft capital and maybe throw a first-round pick to Stafford uh, and the Lions. And then Patriots are kind of sitting there empty-handed, which I know a lot of people listening are going, yeah, that's what we want to have happen. But if the Jets end up getting Stafford... Or, excuse me, ah, I can't speak. If the Jets end up getting Watson, yeah, Dolphins aren't going to pursue Stafford. Not a no chance. So that doesn't work both ways there. Um, if it wasn't for all the guaranteed money, I could say the Minnesota Vikings might go for Stafford. However, its interdivisional trade is probably going to be much tougher. That doesn't happen a ton in the NFL when it comes to star players. You could see, you could see New Orleans, but they don't have the money. I could see that being a fit, but there's, the finances aren't there. Yeah. Uh, I would say if it isn't, if it isn't a franchise that has some positive history, uh, like a Pittsburgh or a New England, or a history of winning, it's going to have to be either a dome or a warm weather city. Stafford's not going to go from playing in a dome his entire career to playing in somewhere he's going to freeze his ass off half his games. So like Denver, he wouldn't go. I doubt it. I mean, look. If I were him, yeah, he might. I don't know how he deals with the cold, honestly, so I shouldn't say that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I don't know. Maybe he's fine with the cold. Maybe. But I know a lot of times players kind of get used to their surroundings, and he's playing in Ford Field inside. And then, I mean, how much does he like playing in Green Bay when they're in Lambeau when it's snowing? Is he a fan of that? I don't know. And as a reference, he played his college ball at Georgia. Right. So... So this is a guy, you know, I'm not really sure how he's going to react to a cold-weather city. But again, he could go to a Denver. they got a lot of talent. But that defense is also a little shakier. Oh, yeah. You're not, you're not going to play for Bill Belichick or a great situation like the Colts. Right. Or an organization that the Jets trade for Stafford. They don't have to give up that number two pick. They trade for Stafford. They can still sign Aaron Jones, bring in Stafford. Ask him who we'd like as receivers. Try oh, to go for Chase, them. Jamar Chase will be sitting there. Yeah. And if they end up getting free agents, 
and then you can just go draft the the uh, offensive lineman right. and stack that lineup. And they can actually, if, if you think about it, the smart move would be to get Stafford because then you dangle in front of a litany of teams who don't have that quarterback. Well, do you want Zach Wilson? Although I'm not sold on him. Do you want Trey Trey Lance? Trey Vance? I got I to get that name down because I, I can never remember. Do you want Justin Fields? You can dangle that in front of them and get some, uh, maybe a late first-round pick, maybe a couple second-round picks. Whatever you want to do, it's you put yourself in a power position if you're the Jets and you can make that move for, for Stafford with your second first-round pick, which is Seattle, right? Yes. So that would be mid-20s. I think you could swing it. Yeah, like you just said, if they end up trading that that the, the, the Jamal the Jamal Adams Seattle pick yeah. for Stafford, and they can take that two pick because they're going to have their quarterback, and they can trade up to some team, some team in, in, in I don't know low, higher top ten low teens to move on down, and they can probably fleece them for their first round pick the following season. Yep. And now you have three next. Not exactly, and you got your quarterback. And, and you still got cap room. That's how you turn the franchise around. You can go get – if you want to spend the money on Aaron Jones, I don't know if I'm sold on Aaron Jones, uh, that kind of money. Maybe you want to go get – maybe you want to throw that money at Chris Godwin because it sure seems like a great investment and you don't have the receivers. And you can kind of make um, Kelly Hernan a better tight end by bringing in a talented player like Chris Godwin. And it, it opens up the options. And like you said, they could then drop down and, and get another offensive yeah. lineman to pair with Mekhi Becton, which you have two road graders on each side of the offensive line. Like, that speaks volumes. And you're protecting uh, one of your most important assets, your quarterback. And if they do get Aaron Jones. And if they do get Aaron <laughs> Jones. And the offensive, yeah. That's hand how. the ball to – to Aaron Jones, run, have him run behind Mackay Becton. You're guaranteed four or five yards every single time. I'm pretty sure you and I could run for a decent amount of yards, or anybody listening for that matter could run for at least 500 yards in a season behind Mackay Becton. Never Absolutely. mind a guy with athletic talent. Um, I think it, I think that'd be the great move for the Jets. Here's the problem, and I apologize to the Jets fans. It's the Jets. Yeah. They could possibly. As much as it might be worth it, they could possibly just say, uh, Houston, here, here's four first-round picks, uh, our entire future for Deshaun Watson, and then we don't go out and sign any wide receiver or, or running back. Well, no, 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 no. We can't go back on everything we just said 20 minutes ago. Because I know. It's no, like, I'm just saying it is the Jets. I get it, but, I mean, st- strategically, there's a lot more you can do if you go for Stafford. Right. But you're talking a guy of Deshaun Watson's caliber who did what he did with not a lot of help down in Houston, and entering the prime of his career, right? It's really hard to say that's the wrong call either. I get it's cheaper, but no, I'm just saying like they they would go uber crazy on giving up picks. Like three first round picks is is about the barometer I'm at. Three firsts, you know, Sam Darnold, like we talked about. If you have to throw in a fourth or a fifth, okay. But I'm saying this a Jets move would be to, oh, here's Sam Darnold, here's four first-round picks. Anything else you want? 
that'd be the Jets move. And then compound that with don't go get Kenny Galladay. Don't go get Chris Godwin. Don't go get Aaron Jones. Just say, oh, Deshaun Watson, you're you're it. You're it. Have fun. Well, there's no way that's the case. I know, but it would be a Jets move. Yeah, but I think if you're going to give up that many first-round picks, uh, you know what? Honestly, you do have to throw it out the window when it comes to the Jets. Cause they've, that's what I'm saying. There's been some head scratchers. There's a nice play in there, and I think they should go the Stafford route. They should absolutely. It gives them so much more options. It's smarter. I just hope they don't because I want them in New England. I agree. <laughs> so, um, Okay, so we, we brought up uh, Doug Peterson. We got up good old Uncle Bruce earlier. So now we're going to go to his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, who this past weekend named Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni as their new head coach. Uh, I was kind of hoping the Eagles fell for Josh McDaniels and took him so he could get a new offense in New England, but that's okay. That is what it is. Uh, Apparently he was an assistant to Doug Peterson Uh, in 2017, so he was having fun. Is that good news? Uh, We'll see. Uh, he then he went with with Frank Reich to or Reich, however you pronounce it. Frank Reich. Frank Reich to Indianapolis when he became head coach and was the offensive coordinator. Uh, his offense did help Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers threw far fewer picks this year, mainly because they were running the ball more. Hey, here's an idea: we'll keep his interceptions down. We just won't let him throw it. That's accurate. Uh, he loves to run the ball, which is great for Miles Sanders, who should be the cornerstone of that offense. Uh, the only problem is. Uh, he's a big proponent of Carson Wentz, who, who? owner. Oh, the owner? Yeah. Who, no, no, no. The new head coach. Oh, he is? Oh, well, there you go. Big proponent of Carson Wentz. And right. so apparently he's the owner. So all the positive vibes they have with Jalen Hurts could be up in the air. I don't know where that's going to go because the Eagles cannot release Carson Wentz with all the dead cap space, and there's no one who's taking that contract. This isn't Deshaun Watson we're talking about. So the owner had to find someone who could try to make it work with Carson Wentz. Which, uh, there's not really a lot to go into on this one, uh, but I I don't get it. I'm I'm confused that they that the owner could. I I understand what he's doing. He he can't eat that money. But you signed the contract. Are you going to compound your future? By making forcing your your head coach to play this guy who clearly is broken, I don't think he's forcing him. I think he looked at the fact he helped Philip Rivers throw fewer interceptions, and said, "This is the guy who can fix Carson Wentz. This is a guy who's a Wentz fan. He doesn't know Jalen Hurts. He's probably coming in under the guise of, yeah, Carson Wentz is our starter." Which I, look, I think it's a mistake. Look, if he can stop Carson Wentz from doing stupid stuff on the field. And turn this offense around. I don't care what any other team does. This dude's coach of the year, hands down. Okay, but what does that do for Jalen Hurts? Because he I proved, don't know. he proved that he does have the ability to move the offense down the field. Well, and okay, but what I'm saying though is, if this guy does fix Carson Wentz, which I don't think will happen, but I'm saying if he does, teams teams, I mean, high draft picks flop all the time. So you could just say, well, we'll trade Jalen Hurts for either a second or we'll wait till the draft comes around and trade him, or we'll keep him as a backup for another year to see what happens. I mean, good backups aren't exactly a bad thing. They got him for cheap. I mean, 
it's the Philadelphia Eagles organization, not the Philadelphia. Let's hope Jalen Hurts is. So, so let's let's so. let's let's flip it on this side. Is will this cause any divide in the locker room? Because clearly there was of course a, it will. There's of course a, it will. There was a rally behind absolutely Jalen Hurts. Absolutely, they saw not not only that. The gentleman you just referenced, Miles Sanders, as much as he might have a promising career with this offense, he seemed to be all on board with Jalen Hurts because they saw the offense actually move the ball down the field. Those are all valid points, and I 100% agree with you. I was just bringing up the strict point of if this guy can make Wentz not suck, he deserves an award. That's fair. At the very least... At the very least, one of those old ribbons they used to give away on field day when you were in elementary school. Oh, yes. Back when kids could compete and it wasn't considered offensive. And uh, those little, like, oh, you came in first, you came in second. You should, at the very least, get a third place ribbon. At the very least. I just think think you're going to stunt everything you did the back end of the season with Jalen Hurts by forcing Carson Wentz back into this spot where there's probably quite a few players on that team who just think, yeah, Carson doesn't have it. Absolutely. You know what they should do? They should bring in Bruce Arians, and he can let Carson Wentz coach. There you go. And then he'll be in the Super Bowl again. Problem. Having fun. Problem and Lane solved. Johnson's living the dream. Problem solved. All right. As we mentioned, we're going to get in the AFC and NFC Championship games in our next episode. Uh, there's no games. this coming weekend. It is the... What is normally the Pro Bowl, which is normally very uneventful in and of itself. And this year will be a bunch of virtual challenges, apparently over Zoom and other internet um, providers. Do, do you think or it'll video be, providers? Do you think it'll be as successful as the draft? No, but the Pro Bowl is not as exciting as the draft. Correct. Well, it, I agree it, with you. 100%. It, it, without a pandemic, it's not as exciting as the draft. I'll just come on and say the Pro Bowl normally sucks. It, correct, it does. It, it absolutely does. And it's it's look, it's a bad idea, anyways. You have a lot of guys out there who've already been beat up all year, making yeah. a lot of money, and they don't want to hurt themselves. Right. So they're not even playing hard as it is. And a lot of them hurt themselves trying to pull up and not hurt themselves. Sometimes you hurt yourself worse. Yeah. With with the intention of not harming yourself. Um. So I mean, this is I think it might actually be a step in the right direction. We've said for a while the Pro Bowl should just be a series of skill challenges at most. I think it should just be a symbolic thing, where it's like all pro. Yeah, essentially, all yeah. pro is it doesn't very doesn't, it doesn't need to be a game anymore. It doesn't. We're past the point where players want to actually play it. Fans don't watch it, right? And guys are out there potentially getting themselves hurt for nothing. Uh, so let's let's just make this a a big old Madden tournament, and then y'all can sit there and and. Pretend you're drinking water and whatever else you have in your glass, and sit at home and not not get in trouble. And but uh, so we will not. There would be no Pro Bowl breakdown unless something really stupid happens, and we'll we'll laugh at it. But uh, yeah, we'll break down the championship games next episode. By this point, you've already seen the results, so you'll be listening for for our opinion and our take, which isn't going to change by then. So you'll get it next week. Uh, as well as their Super Bowl re- preview. Uh, as we said, we're not quite sure, based on what happens in the sports world between now and then, um, if it's going to be you know, a 25-minute, half-hour standalone episode, or if it's going to just be added on. This is a long episode, probably one of our longest ones, so we may just add it on and do one show. Uh, but 
yeah, that'll be that'll be next time on Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Anything else you got this episode, Ben? Are you good? I'm all set. All right. We thank you very much for listening to episode 114. If you have any questions or comments, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS Pod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Or the website, bctspod.com. All right. Once again, once again, say it every time. But Ben and I appreciate the support. We want to, we want to let you guys know. We don't want to ignore it and have you think we don't care. Downloads are really gaining traction. Uh, we've had some of our more more higher downloaded episodes uh, in the past few weeks, starting with our bonus episode we did for the playoffs. Uh, if, if you have not yet and you feel so inclined, you enjoy the show, leave a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you, get feedback. It always helps us. And if you happen to know a sports fan or two in your life, maybe looking for some new sports content, you can uh, point them in our direction. We'd greatly appreciate that. For Ben. I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.